Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ. It's been a loaded Tuesday show. There was a lot like a Monday show. If you missed any of it, WFNZ.com for the full bits, hours, and interviews. We've got Cole Kubelik joining us in 20 minutes of the SEC Network. We'll... Uh, We'll pick through the conference realignment talk here as uh, another Dennis Dodd reporting. Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah have been targeted by the Big 12, but that Oregon and Washington also could be part of talks of uh, and that the Big 12 is deep in discussions to add multiple Pac-12 programs as a way to shore up its membership he mentioned those six programs is is possibilities there, and also saying Dennis Dodd is that a member of the a merger of the Big Twelve and Pac Twelve in some form is also a possibility. So shenanigans abound in college athletics. We'll talk with that about uh, uh, the great Cole Kubelik in about twenty minutes. In the meantime, the NBA offseason is in full swing, and uh, let's just get to it. The, the Rudy Gobert stuff was pretty fascinating on Friday because I get the idea behind the the Minnesota Timberwolves trading for Rudy Gobert. And from a player standpoint, like Patrick Beverly's a really nice and really useful role player. Not a guy that's going to stop, stop me from, from trading for a, 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 a truly transcendent defender. Um Jared Vanderbilt, like these are some of the names. He basically, player-wise, he didn't get traded for a lot. It was the fact that he got traded for, a, I think it was four first-rounders and a couple of pick swaps that made me guffaw on Friday night. And the reason being is, I, I, I don't know why Rudy Gobert, as great as he is defensively, I don't know why Rudy Gobert has that price tag. Mostly because he's a 30-year-old center that is making 40 uh, making roughly 40 to $50 million a year for the next four years. Him him losing a little skill defensively or even a skosh of athleticism is going to really complicate his value. I think there's a really good chance that Minnesota loses that deal. Oh, by the way, if Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns just don't work together offensively, you're not going to get commensurate value if you turn around and have to trade Rudy Gobert. But it did highlight that... It seems like teams are willing to go all in on moves like this a little bit more now, right? There was the the New Orleans Pelicans trading for uh, C.J. McCollum at the trade deadline. It seems like teams, uh, Philadelphia with the James Harden trade, trading Ben Simmons for uh, James Harden. It seems like now, now in day and age, teams are more likely to make insane huge swings. Like, James Harden for Ben Simmons, straight up, not a bad trade. But once you start factoring in Seth Curry going to Brooklyn, once you start factoring in the depth hit that Philadelphia took and trading future picks, once you start factoring that all in, for a 33-year-old scoring-only player who is a bit of a malcontent, I thought it was a dumb risk. If if it was anybody but Daryl Morey, I don't think the 76ers make that trade. And in this case... Tim Connolly, who's the new uh, GM of Minnesota, he's the guy that actually drafted, or sorry, traded the pick that became Rudy Gobert. He's had his eyes on Rudy Gobert for a hot minute. I don't think this was a smart move. I think for Utah, especially if they move on from Don, if you get if you get four picks and a couple players for, for Rudy Gobert, what the hell are you going to get for Donovan Mitchell? 
I asked when Dan Favalli joined us at, at twelve twenty, I asked him if both players are on the market at the same time, who gets traded who gets who gets more in uh, return? The Nets for Durant or the the Jazz for Donovan Mitchell? He said he would lean toward Donovan Mitchell. He's younger. Uh, he has less control over where he's going. He's less of a veteran. He's not really used his voice in where he's going to go. I'd probably agree with him, by the way. I think we could see a Herschel Walker-type deal for Donovan Mitchell. I also don't know that these kind of moves are good for the NBA. We've gone from... NBA draft picks are overvalued to they're just undervalued. The The Wolves, this could fall flat on its face. Anthony Edwards probably going to keep them in contention long term. This could also fall flat on their face. It's not a perfect roster around Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. For, for this to work out for Minnesota, they're going to have to make at least one NBA Finals, something they've not done in their entire career or in their entire history. That's the stakes that they put up there by trading for a 30-year-old center making $45 million a year for the next four years. Would you? I'll ask you guys. Is are, Now, not specific to the Rudy Gobert deal because it's happened already. Is that the kind of swing you want to see the, the Hornets take eventually? Because I do think at some point we're getting to a point where it's crap or get off the pot. It's, it's going to be... Lamelo, you will have had a few winning seasons with Lamelo. The roster is capped out. You know who you have in Kai and Book Knight and Mark Williams and all these young guys. And and if Miles is still here, you'll know what you have in him. And there's going to be players available because there are every off season that are going to be risks, but are calculated risks. I think the Hornets are probably two to three years away from that level of we got to make a desperate and absurd move ac saying on the garage door guru text line absurd they give up four picks for rudy gobert absurd i'd use that too we also found out this weekend or the report also circulated that uh from mark spears of espn saying the warriors are interested in a kevin Durant reunion i don't i get it I do get the allure of reuniting with Kevin Durant. They just won a title with Steph Curry, 65% of Draymond Green, and about 75% of Klay Thompson. So I do get the hypothetical idea. But I think my only concern is the cost for Kevin Durant. Like right now, the way the Warriors are set up, I'd, I would be surprised if they won another title as currently constructed with KD, Clay, or sorry, with Clay, Draymond, and Steph. But those three guys with Kuminga, with Moses Moody, with James Wiseman, if those, if two or three of those, two of those three players shake out, they could help extend the shelf life of Steph's playoff career. I don't know that that's good enough to win a title, but it's it gives you flexibility down the line. If you trade for Kevin Durant, be also including you're probably going to have to trade either Andrew Wiggins or or Clay or Draymond. If you trade one of those three big contracts plus two or, two or three of your young players, it's a risk. The risk reward is you maybe win a title next year. The so that's the reward. The risk is Kevin Durant starts to show age and you just traded the next generation of winning. 
I don't know. I think I think it makes sense. You cannot fault anybody for trading Kevin Durant. I also, if I'm Kevin Durant, do you want to go back to to Golden State? With the way it ended, with he's chirped at Draymond in the media. And let's be honest with you. Kevin Durant right now, for better or worse, is still a villain in NBA parlance. He is. Where, like if you look, because everybody points out to what KD did to go to Golden State. They point out to what LeBron did going to Miami. The difference is my LeBron Miami for like a year leaned into being a villain and hated it. And part of going back to Cleveland was I want to reset the narrative on me. I don't like being the bad guy. Kevin Durant ended up being the biggest simp villain in NBA history. I mean, talking about off the court, on the court, he was a great villain because he won two titles there. But like... He was kind of a simp as a villain. He 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 was a villain that didn't want to be a villain, but leaned into being a villain. And then he went to Brooklyn, where he's continued to kind of act like a villain. I think if Kevin Durant wants to put a bow on his career, I think he should start looking. I think he should be a little bit more optics, a little bit more narrative mindful. I think he should look for the place where he's going to go, where he's going to be. I don't want to say the savior, but where his... His character can change. Like Kevin Durant asking for a trade to Detroit to play with Cade Cunningham. I think that's potentially a place that could help him rise from the ashes and where people might not hate him as much. I think Kevin Durant to Portland with Dame Lillard. Kevin Durant to a small market in general. The way he spurned OKC. It's not going back to OKC, but they're not ready for Kevin Durant yet. But Kevin Durant going to Portland would be significant for how people perceive him. And by the way, he's going to make $200 million or $160 million anyways, because that's his contract's written in stone. 704-570-9610. What places do you see that Kevin Durant could get traded to that most help his likability? Uh, Costco Mike, by the way, saying they do not need Kevin Durant and will win another title next year. I disagree. Unless Clay suddenly finds his form, I don't see Clay Thompson and Draymond Green and Steph Curry winning a title. This year, you won it because who you were facing off against was not uh, uh, what I think would be one of the all-time great teams. And although Boston next year might be, Malcolm Brogdon is a great trade. Unfair that they got the piece that they were missing that's somehow going to make them better defensively, and oh, by the way, he's a playmaker offensively that's going to help you as well. I digress. But like that Boston team, it was two great offensive players in, uh, two, sorry, two great super, uh, star or superstar players in Tatum and Brown and a bunch of guys. bunch of really good players, but not great play. There was not a great, a truly great NBA Finals-worthy team in Boston. They got some good breaks, and that's why they were there. If next year, this same Golden State Warriors team, which, by the way, has already lost. Uh, Bialica has left. They've, Damian Lee went to Phoenix. They've already lost some pieces, some of the depth pieces that I think made them stand out. I think Golden State, as currently constructed, up against what I think is an average NBA, like, you know, two years ago, Milwaukee. 
And that's before. If Milwaukee, if Milwaukee should trade for Kyrie, they should just do it. Drew Holiday for Kyrie Irving. Why not? But put up whatever your average NBA team that you think is that won the NBA title the last 10 years, I think Golden State, as currently constructed, smokes them. I do think, though, going back to Golden State, I think probably hurts Kevin Durant's likability. I think KD going to Miami, I don't think Miami, it's tough because Miami is really beloved by NBA nerds. Like the NBA media who just loves the way they do things. And quite frankly, they should. Miami is what you want out of an organization in the NBA. They have perpetually drafted and developed players. They have been, uh, outside of San Antonio, the paragon of stability. And even though they've done the superstar chasing thing, they've done it successfully. They won a title with Shaq, their first title. When that thing fell apart, they won a title with LeBron and Chris Bosh and D. Wade. That's actually an interesting point. I don't know if going to Miami would help Kevin Durant become likable again. Because I don't know outside of the NBA nerds, I don't know how likable Miami is because of their proclivity to stealing NBA superstars. 704 number saying, uh, what would it take for him to come to Charlotte? Everything. Everything not named LaMelo. And I don't know that's the kind of risk that I'd be willing to take if I was Charlotte. Kevin Durant was three years younger, I'd do it. Kevin Durant wasn't two years removed from the Achilles injury, I'd do it. But trading Kevin Durant, or trading for Kevin Durant, and trading the farm for him, and putting him next to LaMelo, the first two years, it'd be championship or bust. It'd also be the biggest thing that ever happened in this town. Like, before he plays a game, it'd be the biggest thing to ever happen to Charlotte sports. So as a man who roots for chaos, maybe we should root for that. Cole Kubelik, SEC Network. He joins us next to get into the latest run of college football, college athletic realignment talk on Sports Radio 92.7 FNC. FNC. Welcome back to the Nick Wilson Show. 40 minutes to go on the show. If you missed any of today's show, WFNZ.com for the full hours, bits, and interviews. Uh, itty bitty fit. If you want to give him a call back, go ahead and give him a chance. Uh, I think I just got a text here from Mr. Cole Kubelik, who we're going to try and have uh, on the air. Yeah, he says go ahead and give him a call back. Uh, we got to talk about the latest here as there seems to be a game of chicken between the Pac-12 and Big 12 where uh, essentially the Pac-12 is trying to strengthen their negotiations with the Big 12 about a potential merger instead of the Big 12 just cherry-picking the best teams out of the Pac-12 by pushing up the timeline on TV negotiations. What's your pitch if you're a Pac-12 I have your George Klykoff in the, uh, the the Pac-12 commissioner. Hey, you can't wait for the championship game in Corvallis in November. Hey, if you haven't seen Colorado versus Oregon State for a Pac-12 title, then what are you doing with your life? I really don't. 
I, I mean, I get it that this is all really just politics, but it just feels like Pac-12 is trying to play. Listen, they're playing the cards they have. I'll just, you know, I, I don't know why I'm being negative about this. They're playing the cards that they have. In the meantime, our next guest, you can hear uh, on the SEC Network, SEC Football Analyst. I'm sure he's got some uh, takes. Also, uh, the uh, the roundtable. Excuse me there. I'm just going to go ahead and choke to death on air. Uh, it is. It's actually Cole Kubelik on the guest line. Sorry about that, Cole. I butchered your intro, but I promise you it's only because I might be dying. It's all good. Hope you're okay. Hope you survive. But you know what? That's like the nicest thing anybody has said. And you can check out his radio show, uh, McElroy and Kubelik, in the morning, uh, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m., on on jocks uh, in Birmingham there. All right, so let's get to this. The latest round here, which is uh, the the Big Ten adding USC and UCLA. How do you think that move stacks up compared to the SEC adding Texas and Oklahoma a year ago? I think it's a strong move. Um, I think it's, it's very similar in in clout and recognition and name brands. Obviously, I think the combination of Oklahoma and Texas are a little bit bigger than the combination of USC and UCLA, but you can make, make an argument USC would be the best individual brand of the four. And then it puts you in the Los Angeles market, which is massive. I mean, it's the top three television market annually in the United States, and you get two teams there. So, And, and people will say, well, the subscriber base, cable's not that big. It's still over 5.5 million people that subscribe to cable there. So... That's a big audience, and what they got financially going from, from what I'm told, fifty cents per per, per subscriber to a dollar fifty per subscriber, and that's monthly, not annually. Um, immediately gives the Big Ten a big push as far as revenue they're going to be able to generate on the field. I don't think it's close to what the SEC will most likely see with what we're already seeing from Sarkeesian in Texas. And that thing beginning to head in the right direction, what Oklahoma's been able to accomplish. Obviously, I think a lot of Chip Kelly at UCLA, but hands tied to a certain extent. And obviously, Lincoln Riley looks like he might be a guy that gets USC back going again, but that's still a team that was sub-500 a year ago. So from the football side of things, you, you mentioned it's not enough to catch uh, the SEC. If, if going forward, you were then to see – the Big Ten add Notre Dame and Oregon, which kind of feels like a popular pairing that is out there. Would that be enough to catch, quote-unquote, the SEC in football? Yes, because Notre Dame, I, I still think, is the brand name in college football. Uh, that's just my opinion, but I think nationally, it has a, a bigger, more passionate fan base than any other school in the country. Uh, that includes Texas, USC, Alabama, whoever else. And I think you would get an Oregon team that has been in the mix for championships for over a decade, and that would add a ton of value. So, And then, too, from a, just from a number standpoint, you'd be moving past the SEC. That happens, though. I would not anticipate Greg Sankey in the SEC just standing still. I would expect probably uh, some sort of move to counter that and probably get as close to the, the finish line with where we're going to end up here, which I think should be probably, Nick, the biggest question that we have is, you know, where are we when we can finally take a breath? Where are we when we can finally sit back and say, okay, this is what we will get from college football for the foreseeable future. 
I think that's a really interesting point that you're driving at there. Cole Kubelik of McElroy and Kubelik on Jocks 94.5 FM in Birmingham and also the SEC Network on the guest line here. So even before we add, presumptively, Notre Dame and Oregon to the Big Ten, what programs do you see the SEC targeting next? Well, I think some of that depends on the dominoes. If it, if it goes the way that you just mentioned and Notre Dame exits, then that means the ACC teams, I believe, have an exit window in and out to be able to go somewhere else. So I think immediately the SEC looks towards the ACC. Uh, I think Florida State, Miami would be towards the top of that list. I think Virginia Tech would be towards the top of that list. I think Clemson's towards the top of that list. Um, and it probably starts there. Um, if you were to go over toward, if you were to go west, uh, I think Kansas probably makes the most sense of, of any team in the Big 12. I, I don't really think that the SEC probably looks at Houston or at another school in Texas and feels like that that's something that they would need. Um, and then I think it just comes down to, you know, what are, what are your, what are at the top of your wish list right now? Is it just, is it, is it value of the brand? Is it still going back to you know 2012, focused in on TV markets? You know, could Virginia Tech and Virginia be in play then? I do think North Carolina is going to be a school coveted by most everybody if they were to become available. I don't know what the partnership with an NC State or a Duke or a Wake would look like going anywhere, uh, or if that's even important at all. But I think you're probably talking about Florida State, Miami, Clemson, North Carolina and then Virginia Tech, Virginia as the schools that the SEC would have the most interested in, in the ACC, and then probably, I would say, Kansas in the Big 12. I personally don't see Greg Sankey going too much further west than that. I, I think they're good with the footprint they have now, but I, mean, I guess everything's on the table here, man. Cole, a lot of people uh, in the college football ether have suggested that this is just heading towards a big two, and that's just that, that that's they're fatalistic in in thinking on that. Um, are you fatalistic that in the end it's going to be a big two? And if not, how much of a difference do you see between having a power two, if that's what we're calling it, or like a power three with a third conference, whether it's the Big 12, the ACC, or Pac-12 uh, surviving? Um, I, Nick, I do think it, it appears as though we're heading that way. But I think when people say that, they almost, they almost bring into that equation the presumption that Kevin Warren and Greg Sankey are sort of masterminding all of this. I, I don't view it that way. I don't – I mean, let's, who, who's getting along right now with all these conference commissioners? Like, nobody's playing nice right now. Everybody's playing hardball. And so because of that, I, I think that is there room for a number three, maybe even a four? If, if the ACC gets Notre Dame, they're in. I mean, they're good. That's enough right there with what you already have in Florida State, Miami, Clemson, North Carolina, uh, you know, Pitt, Virginia, Virginia Tech. Like, you're, you're set. They'd be fine and, and probably need to add someone just to even things up. But I think they're good at that point. Um, could one other massive question is, you know, apparently they're going to have some conversations this week, but I don't know why you have conversations about four teams instead of all the teams, but – could the Big 12 and Pac-12 find a way to merge and have enough? You know, could you have 
you know, TCU, Texas Tech, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, along with Washington, Oregon, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah, and that become a Power Five conference. And then what happens to some of the teams that are coming in? Um, does Cincinnati help? Does Central Florida help? Does BYU help? All those are questions we don't really know or have answers to, but it does feel like there's still an outside small chance at four. Uh, the difference will be the playing field that the Big Ten and the SEC are going to be on financially. I don't really think it matters what those other two or three or four leagues do. They're just not going to be on the same level. Therefore, the stratosphere that the two major conferences would be in, I think would actually be better for college football for them to just go do their own thing. And I don't think it would be, I don't think it would so much be better for them, Nick, I believe it will be better for whatever the next level of college football is. So basically what the group of five is now, whatever becomes of that, I think has a chance to be much better than it is now because it's going to be deeper. It's going to be more schools with more and better tradition. And I think at some point in time, some of the leadership at that level, and I understand everybody's hanging on right now for dear life. Everybody just wants to get in. Like everybody wants to make the team. Everybody wants to get in the fraternity, and they're just like, please just let us in. I get it, because those checks are substantial and what most of them need. But a lot of these handouts are going away. These paycheck games, they're going to be gone. And the revenue sharing is most likely, it might not be gone, but it's going to be cut. I mean, you'll start paying your schools that much more money and adding more schools so you can say, oh, yeah, we're going to keep sharing this with, you know, Southern Miss and Utah State and Troy, like that's that's not the way it's going to work. So, I think if the if the if the conferences SEC, Big Ten that are playing at a totally different level, if they were to bust off with twenty twenty four teams each, whatever, have their own college football playoff. At that point, I think you could even leave it at four and probably be fine. But then the next level goes to a sixteen team playoff either restructures or merges a couple conferences together, you would have television windows, you'd have a multimedia rights deal, and you would have the ability to put games on when people wanted to watch them. And I think a lot of them would be competitive games that would make it that much more interesting. So I don't know better or worse, but to me that's kind of where we're going. And the unfortunate part is, the next level has got a, a real chance to get left behind in a lot of different ways because so many are still grasping at just trying to be a part of whatever is next, and they don't even know what that is. All right, Cole, we've reached the part of the interview where I'm going to run you through the five questions that I had today. Uh, the kind of rapid fire here, and uh, there are no wrong answers unless, of course, you give us a wrong answer. Number five, what day or date do you consider the end of summer? Uh, October 21st. I like that. Uh, number four, uh, favorite athlete to watch right now. That's just, all that is is temperature, by the way. I like, act- summer's over when it's not hot anymore. So, so sorry, question two. I actually learned that uh, when I moved to the South because I'm from Northeast Ohio. I, I learned that. That's a very good point. Uh, number four, favorite athlete to watch right now. Um, man, that's 
tough. It's a good one. I'm going to probably say Quentin Nelson when he's healthy. Okay. Oh, yeah. Quentin Nelson's fun to watch. All right. What would your emotional support animal be? A hippopotamus. All right. Uh, could you take Joey Chestnut in a fight? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think It'd that's a, a, safe. a little bit more difficult. A little bit more difficult than I would imagine a few days ago. But yeah, I mean, I still think I could. I could probably hold my own. All right, final one here. If if we put you in charge of naming a new day, an eighth day of the week, what would you name this new day? Off day. Off day. Love that. I, we, I had said free day. Anything that implies you and I don't have to do diddly squat during it. Cole, you are the best, man. Really do appreciate your time. Hey, I appreciate you having me. Look forward to catching up again soon. Good man. Cole Kubelik there. Follow him on Twitter, at Cole Kubelik. Uh, check out his show. If you guys haven't checked out McElroy and Kubelik on Jocks 94.5 FM in Birmingham, terrific, terrific show. And again, SEC Network as well. Final segment of the show next on Sports Radio FNC. <laughs> Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ, final segment of today's show. If you missed any of it, WFNZ.com for the full hours, bits, and interviews. I want to say thanks to our friends. I'm going to thank Ellis Williams. Uh, there's something going on there. We didn't. Uh, Ellis didn't uh, pop by today. I, there might have been a chance. I don't remember him telling me he needed today off, but there's a chance that it's probably my fault. Uh, good job out of Itty Bitty Fitty on uh, the bit with Itty Bitty Fitty. It wasn't the bit with Beth. But also, you didn't get us kick off, kicked off the air. Dan Favalli. I uh, also want to thank him. And we just had Cole Kubelik on. Cole is the nicest dude in the world. But the five questions were painful. Trying to get those. I, 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 I probably should have prepped him with that, saying, hey, we're going to hit you up with this. So, again, my fail. Basically, today has been uh, a my fail day that I failed the guests of this show. But they brought it. WFNZ.com. Is it just me? We're just listening to the Jessica Charman uh, promo there. Does Jessica sound Australian there? When she says Ben Benda, doesn't she kind of sound Australian there? It's been bugging me for a while now. What if she... And when she says stolen your hat, she kind of goes Boston there. She's a Brit by day and an Aussie by night. So making her a bossy. So we've heard her try to do an American accent. I think we should ask Jessica Charman, and by we, she's never on this show. She's, uh, she's, she's, you know, she's in a day part. Okay, she's on the morning show. She's too big for us here in afternoons. I think it would be fantastic to hear her try and perform a Boston accent on the air. Because when she says "stolen your hat," it kind of sounds Boston to me as well. That's going to get really personal for her being a Brit. Mm -hmm. And we know the history with America and Britain and, you know, where it all started. So here's how we get her to do it. This is how we, uh, if I'll say, if you don't do it, I'm going to throw all of England's tea into Lake Wiley. We, we should do that because their tea sucks. But yeah. Uh, okay. That's no, a no, good no, threat. No, no, no. No. Uh, go ahead and dig deep on that one. Explain your ta- Explain your take on their tea sucks, whatever that means. It's Britain. Everything about Britain sucks. Okay. Continue. Look, you're you're looking at a guy that uh, loves his country. Uh huh. Yeah. And you also watched Wimbledon over baseball yesterday. You no, un-American. I I watched swine. both. 
um, actually. Now you okay, but on uh, the Independence Day, you chose to watch Wimbledon, which is not American. Thank you very much. Well, it was an argument about Wimbledon in the hot dog eating contest, and I'd rather watch tennis than people eat. Okay. All but, right. Well, again, one's American, one's not, and then you're slagging the Brits over here. But Thank mean, you very much. But I'm, continue. Why is that? What was the phrase on the British? Their tea sucks. Okay, but and then and then everything about Britain sucks. Okay, show your work. What's what, what's show? What's what the show? No, 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 no. Explain your take. That's the show. I'm it was the greatest you. upset in the history of upsets. I'm fine. I'm fine with you having a take. Okay, but that was 250 some years ago. Tell me why Britain sucks now. They're not America. And that that's it. So every country that read, isn't read America, that again. They're not America. <laughs> take that for data. <laughs> so every country that isn't America sucks. As an American slash German, yes. Okay. That's not long. That, I, Germans, you're going to have to sit out for a while. At least another 30 years. And you can 30, say... 30 years? Yeah, we got to get to 100 years before... Okay, that's like 20 years. we got to get to like 100 years for the end of World War II before I'm letting Germans back in this conversation. However, let's roll with this. You can't say... Britain sucks because they lost a war 250 years ago and then throw in the German card there when they lost the war pretty incredibly, was it 80 years ago? Was it as big as an upset though when Germany got beat as opposed, they had a 13 colony lead and got beat. Like that, that's worse than the Warriors blowing a 3-1 lead in the finals. I disagree. Because they were fighting a war overseas. No matter how big the British Empire is, they had to travel an ocean to fight that war. Like Germany, they had to travel a channel to England. All right? <laughs> Literally, everybody that they could bomb, they did bomb within like a like a thousand mile square radius, and they still lost. Which is why we can't have bomb day whenever we have the eighth day of the calendar. Okay. One of the many reasons <laughs> why... <laughs> <laughs> Fluke, Fluke Juki saying World War champs. Uh, <laughs> uh, also a 704 number uh, saying you can't say this is the greatest country in the world if you've never left this country. Itty bitty fitty. Have you left this country previously? No, I have no desire. And, and look, if I do, I'm going north. I'm just going to Canada. Why do you, because you think there are a bunch of simps that you can just boss around? No. I, look, I've got a irrational... Fear of flying. Okay. Um, and I don't have to fly to get to Canada. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, I just have, I've had no desire to ever, I mean, like, I imagine if I ever get married and I honeymoon. Uh-huh. She's probably going to go, she or, or flounder may want to go somewhere. Uh-huh. Overseas. Uh-huh. But I, I just, I don't think I could. What if she wants to go to Britain? What if she wants to go to the United Kingdom? No, like, it's, it's just off the table. What if she's British? What if what Jessica Charman is a young success? I guarantee you Jessica Charman's ugliest friend would be the prettiest girl you could get. So what if Jessica Charman said, hello, hey, Bayfe, can I get you a woman? And she hooks you up with the hottest woman you can get. You're telling me you're turning down uh, an attractive British lady? Look, I'm not flounder, okay? I have morals and respect. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? We're just gonna we're gonna put a bow on this one for today, 
and we're going to unpack this when we have more time. Um, you're wrong on the UK. You're wrong on most things, but you're super wrong. So you're and saying as an American, you don't hate Britain? Like, I thought that was like part of being American. You just freaking hated Britain. Well, I like, didn't. Like, it's born into you. I didn't have to shoot any anybody from Britain. I've never had to go to war with them. Uh, they've been our ally for 200 years. So, and yeah. They? I would, yes. You know, they, they could be plotting something to get us back for kicking their ass 246 years ago. So they're still not, no, no, no. That's the South that's not over the war, <laughs> not the British. Right. Good God. Uh, the tea thing I still don't get. I understand saying Britain sucks, but like the tea thing, their tea is our tea. Our tea is their no, tea. No, no, there's a distinction between Southern tea so, so they don't and have Lipton no, over Northern here. tea and then Britain tea. Okay, there's easy with a the hand difference. gestures there, German. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good God, he's just throwing them all around here. Uh, we let's just move on. And there's, you know, you've just to all the Brits that are listening, I love you. Uh, to Jessica Charman, this show loves you. Itty bitty fitty, bit of a chotch. The Mark Spain real estate Nick pick. Uh, I'm gonna take the Rangers are minus one and a half on the run line, and they're plus one forty five for that. So I'll take the plus one forty five on the Rangers minus one and a half. On the run line tonight, we are running out of time, so it's time for what you're burning on, itty bitty fitty. That might have been what you're burning on. So, what you burning on, friend? I'm burning on how you, as an American, don't just naturally hate Britain, because, like, I just naturally hate the Brits. Now, what I'm burning on is Max Scherzer. He's back. Is he British? I hope not, because then I have to hate him. He returns to the mound tonight. The Mets haven't had Jacob DeGrom all season long. They've been without Max Scherzer for the last six weeks, and they were the first team in the NL to achieve 50 wins. I'm hoping this solidifies the start to, to winning the NL East. Because, look, we can't deny the Braves are right there. They're three and a half back. But they've been playing 750 baseball for a month and a half now, and they're still three and a half games back. With an important series next week between the Mets and the Braves, but just happy to have Mad Max back on the bump tonight. I'm just happy to see the Mets going full Mets because I've got a front row seat for you, Flounder, and Will just melting down. Melting down. It'll be like Cornwall was back in the back during the Revolutionary War when he got his butt beat. I'm not doing <laughs> Revolutionary War smack talk. You know you've got a you you've got a Revolutionary War general voice in there. It's it's just hiding. I'm gonna pull it out of you. Oh jeez, I don't. It's a Tuesday, man. Yesterday was Fourth of July. <laughs> I'm a little tapped out on this. I want to tell you guys about one of the greatest dogs I've ever met. This weekend, my wife and kids and I, uh, we had a vacation with Valerie from Animal Care and Control here in uh, Charlotte. If you guys don't know, with Animal Care and Control, you can actually take dogs out on a daycation or staycation, and it helps socialize them, and it also helps uh, the 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 shelter figure out where the dog is and valerie was this beautiful brown uh pit bull mix and she was the sweetest puppy in the world and she immediately bonded with big daddy it's funny because the last pit bull mix we had taken out was dumbo and he immediately was like vanessa's best friend well valerie was all about big daddy and we took her for about a three mile hike 
out at Clark's Creek. And she was so sweet and so kind and just melted. She was so great with the kids. So if you're looking for a pup, if the family's looking for a family dog, or if you're a young single person who wants to have a pup with some energy, Valerie's at uh, Animal CMPD at the Care and Control. Check her out. I just retweeted uh, the link to her profile. Let's get this dog uh, adopted. She's been there for a little bit. Um, she is one of the sweetest pups I've ever met. So check her out. Adnick Wilson says, uh, Valerie from uh, Animal Care and Control here in town. We'll be back tomorrow. Maybe with Ellis Williams, maybe not. We'll see who else joins us until tomorrow at 10 a.m. Nick Wilson for Itty Bitty Fitty in all of the UK saying stay safe and be good, Charlotte. Lord, I love you, Carolina. Hasta la vista, baby. Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. See you later! Charmed, I'm sure. I'm really the end of it, and that's all, folks. Okay, bye. Yeah.